Coming up, it's a breakdown. A nervous breakdown? Well, let's hope not. It's a season breakdown. I'm Rhino. I'm having a nervous breakdown. And we are the Podcast Rangers. River Rangers! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am your one of your hosts, Rhino, joined as always by my co-host, Ken. I am also Ken. Yes, and uh, in this week's episode, we thought we'd try something a little bit uh, a little bit different, which we try to do every single week, actually. So I don't know why I always say that, but um, we, we are, do not repeat the same words. We don't. No, we we. I don't think we could, even if we tried. Um, but we do. We are going to do a, a season breakdown. So what we're going to do is make this kind of a series, not in a row, but every now and then we'll do one. And we are going to take one season of the show and we're just going to go through the same kind of the same sort of a breakdown. We're going to talk about story, uh, where the powers come from, suit design, the Rangers themselves, the mentors, the villains, the Megazords, the Arsenal, all this sort of stuff. And we're just going to like kind of talk about how we feel it stands within like the whole the legacy of Power Rangers and how it holds up in its own season as well. So sort of like not really a review, but just kind of like a, an examination, if you will, you know, just thoughts and feelings kind of on it. That's fantastic. it. You don't have anything to say. Okay. You're going to say fantastic. <laughs> okay. Just reiterating everything he says. Well, we are, we're going to dive right in. And since this is the first time we're doing this, we're just, I, th- I think we're just going to start at the beginning. We're going to do Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but we're going to keep it to season one. Originally, Wait, I was, well, I was unprepared for season one. Oh, okay. can you hear me flipping the pages for my notes? Was this a joke? Uh, yep. Because it's not landing. Anyway, <laughs> we'll see. Um, so uh, we were originally I talked about doing it just like at per series, like per per season title. But I feel like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, each one of the seasons is so distinctly different that it it would be kind of a disservice to Mighty Morphin not to go through the season. So and the, like you've heard on this podcast before, whether this is your first time listening to it or if you've heard it before, we, it's we try to always say like. I, I mean, I love Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but I I am on the camp where it is not the be all end all of Power Rangers. There are other seasons that are just as worthy, if not more worthy than Mighty Morphin to be explored. Um, but like Star Trek, people always come back to the original. Right. So mm-hmm. um, so we're just we're going to start at the beginning. So we're going to start season one. Like I said, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers aired way back, uh, you know, 1993 take us back here um so the story uh ken do you want to kind of wrap up what what is the story of mighty Morphin power rangers uh so imagine if you will uh a team of five rangers uh, or five teenagers as it were uh chosen because of their kind of uh presence to protect and uh take a stand against some sort of evil in the galaxy you have an uh, entity Rita Repulsa and her team of kind of uh, elements that are kind of trying to overthrow and destroy different elements, um, Earth, as it were. Uh, and you have the Zordon choosing these five teenagers with, I think it's attitude. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So, 
Anyway, so this episode, so it's not three hours long. So, you know, it's the basic story of it is, it, yes, it is uh, Rita Repulsa has just been freed after 10,000 years. She'd freed from her space prison that uh, Zordon. What? A space dumpster. A space it. dumpster that was crash landed on the moon. She's been freed by an expedition on the moon. And uh, the first thing she wants to do is destroy the nearest planet. Um, and that is where uh, the man who put her in that space dumpster, Zordon, uh, resides. And Zordon is a being that has been looking over Earth ever since Rita has been was banished away into that He's space. trapped space in the time warp. Yes. Yeah. An interdimensional being. Go ahead. No, I mean that the just he's like I've been trapped in a time warp and I'm an interdimensional being. So, that's it. That's all. Um so and uh, with the help of his trusted assistant Alpha 5, which is like a fully functioning a fully function I forget. Automaton. Yeah, automaton. Um you know, he has been kind of uh, just watching out for Earth and then uh when Reader awakens, he for whatever reason, tells Alpha that he needs five teenagers with attitude. Okay, is what it, what it's abbreviated to in in the opening, essentially. So I'm pretty sure that's exactly what I said. But. I feel like it's a little more elongated in the first episode. I don't think Zordon says the word attitude. Does he? Five teenagers with attitude. I don't know, but um, maybe he does. Anyway, yeah, um, but. <laughs> so um you know and they they are bestowed upon them the power uh power morphers that then give them the ability to turn into the power rangers and uh they morph into these suits which then they have also have zords which are uh dinosaurs and uh they can form the megazord and they fight the monsters and I, there's i feel like overall there's not really like rita just wants to destroy earth right if she doesn't have yeah. a secondary secondary goal really other than i mean so like there will, be, there will be episodes where she's like i want to do this thing and it's kind of like a sub thing to destroying earth like she's just like i want to cause some ruckus but it's it's primarily to destroy earth yes yeah so um it's kind it's very it's it's very and i don't mean this in a rude way either because this is the original power rangers this is the first season of power rangers it's very it's monster of the week. There's not really mm-hmm. a major overarching story. It's very, it's all individual. It's episodic. All of them are individual yeah. episodes and they, they're, they're stories that have to do with, you know, like character building and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, well, I mean like that has its own merit too, because like you think like around the time this was airing, like X-Files was also airing and that had monster of the week episodes. You think supernatural is a fairly popular show now and has been for years. And that has some of the most popular episodes are Monster of the Week. So, like, there's something to be said about that and, like, how that can build character and kind of consistency throughout seasons. And I think, like, that being kind of the foundation that's laid is is fairly strong. Um, yeah, so... Um... So let's talk about, you know, so that story, you know, that we, we had individual, a couple individual story arcs here and there. There'd be like two, two or three parters. And, uh, you know, and then in the case of like uh, Green with Evil, that was a five parter. Um, and, uh, you know, here and there, you know, having to do with some stuff that gave us little mini story arcs and, and recurring elements and whatnot. So but overall, it was kind of just started and was just 
it was going. It wasn't like it wasn't really anything than like the Power Rangers are a group of teenage superheroes with secret identities who are trying to stop the Earth from being destroyed by this evil Empress Rita. And Rita was a representation of all things like she used magic and all that sort of stuff. The Power Rangers used science and logic. So it was this like um, kind of like, you know, two different things facing each other. And uh, and the Rangers were powered by you know, the power coins, um, which were oriented in the, the, the powers of the dinosaur, which were the strongest warriors on the planet, whenever they were there, whatever the story, the backstory is with that. And so let's talk about their powers for a little bit. So we say, what's the source I, I, I have here, like, what is the source of their power? So that would be the power coins, you know, right? Right. Yeah. Which we just said each, you know, you have Mastodon, uh, Pterodactyl, Triceratops, Sabertooth Tiger, Tyrannosaurus. And then later we get the dragon. Yep. And never mind, that's a different season. So continue. Oh, well, I, were you going to talk about Ninja and the power coins? Well, it was like the Ninja power coins, but then also like the like how they alter those with these same suits. But that's also like when we get into the Ninja. Yeah, that's that's but that's later. That's season three season. for sure. Yeah, that well, Ninja is season three um, and Ninja is season three. So um yeah, so so really there's not there's not really much there's not really much to their powers. You know, they have the power morpher and they have the power coin. And the power morpher doesn't work without the power coin, and the power coin is the source of their individual powers. So um, you know, we, we, we sorry, go ahead. Well, so do we up to this point, like, do they get extra powers based on their coins? Like, so when they're like humans fighting, because I've I spent no. the last few days like trying to rewatch this and like that's something we see later on where they get extra powers based on their coins. Like they can, or whatever their morphers are, like they can kind of do things outside of their suits a little bit better or what have you like this. They kind of still are not great outside of their suits, right? They do not. No one has extra enhanced powers really until, um, I want to say it was Wild Force was the beginning of that because Katie was an was a genetically altered human to have super strength and Trip could like the Zybrian because he wasn't human could like see stuff but then in Wild Force Cole could like talk to animals because of having been raised by animals and then in Ninja Storm they had like the Wind Ninja powers and then like Dino Thunder they had their Dino Gems gave them powers and then so forth. And then okay. that became like a recurring thing after that for, for right. a long time so, until, until fairly recently, actually. But because like, I was worried about that because like when we see in the 2017, like kind of like reboot. No, thing. And that, that's a big thing in that movie that I don't like. I don't like, I mean, like, it's, I was like, they could just have been regular. They didn't have to be super powered all of a sudden. Right. It's like Billy headbutts that kid and like gives him some sort of brain damage. So. Well, there is a, there is a quote in like turbo. There's like an episode where they go to morph and, and like diva talks or the monster, whatever it is, su- takes the powers. And so it's like them fighting their suits. And mm-hmm. they say, I didn't, I forgot how strong we were when we were, when we had our suits on or how powerful we were when we were morphed. And so there is an acknowledgement that when they are morphed, they are extra powerful because in we'll see later down the line in Power Rangers Zeo, they have to be morphed when they fight the um they they barely ever, if ever, fight the uh the cogs unmorphed because they're they're right. so strong. They can't really do it. So Okay. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't just me. Like I was like, I thought 
for some reason, like, like they have fighting ability anyway. Like in the first episode, like they're they're showing like they're kind of whatever the prowess oh, it, is. Right? It's not fighting ability. It's just that they're athletic students like they yeah. have fighting ability because Jason and Zach do because of like hip hop keto. And then Jason teaches the karate, the martial arts class. And then Billy like, is trying to learn how to do that. But then a treaty also knows um she knows some form of martial arts. I know it has to do with the praying mantis because there's that whole episode about it. But mantis. then like Kimberly's then Kimberly just is like a lot of gymnast stuff. And yeah. then late, like they get into that stuff later on where like Zach or not Zach, uh, Jason and, and Tommy are kind of like competing for that competition where they have to work as a team. So like there, there, there's some sort of physicality that they're trying to establish in that. Like that's what they have when they're fighting putties normally. All right. Well, they, well, they're they're healthy, physically fit kids, you know. Right. Like not, they're not invincible. They're not super strong. They're just they're just kids that are trying to defend them. Is it basically. weird that I appreciate that more than when they get powers outside of their suits? Oh, I th- I think it's way better. I because th- I, what I would what, what I think it is about Power Rangers is that again, like it, especially in this season, is that it like they're all very different. You know, you have Kim like. There's Kimberly that's like, you know, the the kind of valley girl. There's Jason that's kind of the all-around guy. There's Billy that's kind of the nerd. Zach that's like the suave ladies' man. And then um, I just left somebody out. Trini? Yeah, so Trini's the very down-to-earth, level-headed one. You know, and so they're all kind of... I feel like that group of rangers is kind of actually realistic of like kind of a natural group of friends. Like it might not seem that way, but sometimes you're like, I have friends from all different walks of life. And I feel like, like that was the kind of idea that they needed all different types of, of kids, you know? And also remember the power rangers were like straight a superstar students too, and stuff like that. So I think the power rangers were really meant in the beginning to be like shining examples to younger kids, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that they always are because there are episodes where they struggle and that's part of, you know, that's, that's part of it. Struggling, th- balancing schoolwork with being a power ranger, you know, when you're doing right, like how you keep that secret, that sort of a thing. But, um, well, how do we feel about the suit design in this season? Well, I believe we can reference an earlier episode where we think that these suits are somehow the best suits. I don't know. Well, the thing uh, about that episode is it's a tournament bracket challenge. So it's it, not even that they're the best suits of the series. It's just that that they won that. They happen to be the best up against the suits that they were uh, put up against. So, I mean, I think they're iconic. Like they're they're clearly the most recognizable because they were the first. But I there's still something about those suits where I genuinely enjoy aesthetically what they look like. Uh, especially like when you look at different artist interpretations, there is still something about them that they, regardless of who the artist is, they try to keep something that resembles that same sort of design. And it just, there's something about it that works. Like whether you're looking at the Mastodon helmet or, you know, the pterodactyl helmet, like it's for some reason, aesthetically pleasing to look at them, whether it's like just how they incorporate the, the kind of like power, uh, element to it, like what they're they're deriving their power from, uh, versus like how they're incorporating into a like some sort of color element. Like if it's the Black Ranger helmet, like they incorporate silver and white highlights and like these different elements, or like the pterodactyl one where it's like the pink and the white working so well for this such small creature that works so well. 
versus the Tyrannosaurus one where it's like all encompassing and kind of like that's the kind of most like prolific one or prominent one. Um, well, the other thing about that, too, is that this is actually this is the suit that has longest been associated with Power Rangers, not because mm-hmm. of, not because it's been 20, you know, like 27 years now, but because it also was represented as the Power Rangers for the most episodes on the show. I mean, the first season alone is 60 episodes. You know, it's it's at this point, that's three seasons of this show. I know. When you were like, we're going to talk about season one, I was like, oh, 60 episodes. I, you know, I'm, it's, it's crazy to think. And then season two, I think is like 50 something, but season three is like, um, I think is less, I think it's like 33 cause they were doing the movie and stuff. But, um, so there's a hundred and like almost 150 episodes of this show with they are them, but then that never happens again. There's no season right. that runs even, even remotely close to that, you know? So at the most, the, the current, the current way they do it with the two years of on Nickelodeon is the closest we're getting to that, but that's still like only 40, 40 something. Yeah. So it's, it's still this, I think that's a part of it. And I think it's a big part of like people not really understanding. That's kind of why that's the iconic image of power Rangers when it comes to like the suit. And I look at it, it's like what you said, like the helmet design, I think it's one of those things where sometimes in a season you're like, okay, I like this Ranger and this Ranger. I don't love this Ranger or this Ranger. This is a season where it's like I look at the helmets and I think I love every single one of the helmet designs and I love I I love how the suits look too. And mm-hmm. and and again, it could be because it's the beginning, it's cuz it's the the most recognizable or whatever, but there's just something about the diamond effect on the suit and the way it draws your attention to it and the the helmet and it's very clear like when I look at it I go, "Okay, well that's, you know, that's that's a Tyrannosaurus." That's a pterodactyl. That's a saber tooth. Like you, you know what they do. Do you think if they had gone with any of the earlier Sentai like suits, you would have had some sort of like visual like affinity for it? Like no. I, about those earlier suits, and I'm just like, those are kind of bad. Like aside from like the like, there's the ones where they're all like birds, and I'm like, no, those I, are, but I don't, I don't care about them. I don't like that one either, and I know that's a very popular one. My friend does a cosplay that's like that. The I don't know what it's called. Squad something squad. I don't don't remember, but yeah, I've kind of looked through them. The only one that even remotely kind of looks a little bit interesting to me is the one that was going to be power Rangers before when like Stan Lee was trying to do it. Yeah. Uh, That, that might've been like Bioman, I think, or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Even then, like I'm like, their eyes are too buggy. I don't like it. I also think the helmets are like too wide. They're like too big. You know, the helmet is it's, like should be the size of your head. It should be the shape also of your head. So interesting where they like you look at some of those earlier helmets and they have like clearly the ones in the show like later on became like the stunt helmets where they have the little like dots for them to see. Mm-hmm. But like they were using those for their main helmets. And I'm just like, no, no, do not do that. Yeah. It, and honestly, I know a lot of people have been like, why do they have the mouths? And I'm like. Cause it's on their head. It's their mouth. That's where the mouth is. And they're like, but the mouth doesn't move. And I'm like, does your mask move when you talk? Like I've never understood that argument ever. I think that's from, I don't, I just don't see the world that way. So overall, I, I enjoy the suit design. I think it does deserve its place in history as being iconic and recognizable and not just because it's the first, but I think they're, it's a good design. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's simplistic enough but also very clearly like, okay, when I look at your helmets, I know exactly what you are. So let's talk about the Rangers themselves though. The Ranger team. 
Okay. Cause sometimes you get to yep. a season of power Rangers and you know, you'll be like, Oh, from this season, I like this or that character, you know? And the, but this character is like, eh, and that character, like uh, for me, it, it's a big part of like the feel of how, how, how are they as a group? You know, if they all mesh together, well, that's where you're like, okay, I like this season a lot more, you know, for me, like, like I love in space because I feel like all those characters work really well together. And the same with, um, you know, actually, oftentimes with a lot of the seasons, like I like Lost Galaxy season. I, Time Force is definitely one of my favorite seasons, and it's because of that that intermixing of the characters. But I do think there is something special about Power Rangers. I think they had the Mighty Morphin season one. I think it was like lightning in a bottle with the original five. And even mm-hmm. when even when Tommy is there post Green with Evil, before before the realization about how big this was this had become. You know, I mean, Power Rangers was already big, I think, before Green Ranger showed up. But, you know, before it became the Tommy show and it was still they were all kind of on level playing field. Everybody. I, I, it's just like they all they all work together. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a, one of those things where it's like on the playground, like you had a group of friends where it's like, OK, well, I want to be this one. I want to be this one. I want to be this one. like it's it's one of those things where it's someone was represented somehow. And I think they, like you were saying, lightning in a bottle, it's this thing where it's like, okay, well, how can we grasp like this demographic, this demographic, this demographic, and kind of like bring them together? Yeah. And it somehow, when I was in school, like brought certain kids together. It's like the kids you would not ex- expect would be like, well, I like Power Ranger. I like this Ranger. And you're just like, okay, yeah, play with us. Like, for sure. Well, it's just like the actors, they're, they're charismatic. Like they were all... it's it's interesting to you think back on some episodes um like when kimberly and billy switch bodies and i look back at that now as an adult and i'm just like oh my god this is this episode is so good like i love this episode. very clever it's so much funnier than i gave it credit for too like i liked it it when i was a kid because it's classic it comes very shortly after the episode where they're punks like the power ranger punks episode another iconic episode it's only three episodes removed. And you and I were talking earlier in another episode where we were just like, Billy and Kimberly are potentially the the kind of like underrated powerhouses of MMPR. And I feel like those two episodes kind of give you this inkling where maybe the writers and directors were just like, yeah, these two, maybe go with them. Because well, it's, the it, act... Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say it's interesting because they are together a lot. But then when I think about it, I think that Billy and Trini were paired off because Trini was the only one who could interpret what Billy was saying to the rest of the group. Mm -hmm. Right. And then like Zach and Jason are like best friends. But then I also think about like, where did we get the canon from? Where like, we've all thought it that Jason and Kimberly had something going on too. Right. I Mm -hmm. mean, it wasn't just Kimberly and Tommy. There was something there. You know, did we all like fabricate this? And like, so I, like if, they all kind of pair think, off really well together, right? Right. Like, I think there's there's different episodes that handle these demog- like, you know, there's like a Billy Zach episode or like maybe there's a Billy Trini like thing that happens a lot that they, you know, reintroduce in the comics or like there's might be because they're like the prominent female character and the prominent male character, like people pair those off in their heads. Um I don't know. Like there's all of those characters work well with one another. Like you could move those pieces around however you decide and you could still come up with something that's creative or unique. Yeah. 
and so I think there's just there's something really good. And then Tommy coming in and being able to have this like Kimberly kind of thing that, you know, became a historical, you know, Power Rangers moment. But then also, like, when you think about the characters, you think like, well, Tommy and Jason, they're like friends, even though in real life, it's like couldn't be farther from the truth. But then also like Trini and Kimberly are like best friends after that. And, you know, so it's it's like it just all it all worked and they were all around for, you know, longer m- period of time than most Rangers have ever been. And again, that's another thing to say, like even even Trini, who arguably like, well, I guess it would be Trini and Zach. But I think Zach has like one episode over Trini because Zach came back. Um, Walter Jones came back to do that. And like that special they did with Austin St. John. It's like the two of them are hosting it. Um, So like he had come back for that. But then like. So like. Trini and Zach have still been just think about it. Season one alone, 60 episodes. They've there are more episodes than most power Rangers have ever been in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even though, even when they leave through season two. So again, it's that, it's that thing too. So I think, I think there is something about that. And I think there's something about that too, that carries through to this day. Like you can still go back and watch it. And I think that's what still makes it enjoyable. Like, I don't think, other seasons of power Rangers that we generally accept as being less than like somebody could love it too. And I'm not judging you if you love it, that's fine. We all have seasons we love and hate. God knows I hate wild force. Some people love it. Um, but some stuff isn't going to stand that test of time as well, but there's just, I think it's the electricity like between this cast that kind of keeps it going. But, um, well, let's talk about, uh, who the mentor and the sidekick are. So uh, more or less seasons have, you know, mentors, they have, the Rangers have somebody that maybe isn't necessarily a ranger or becomes a ranger or something like that, but somebody that they can look up to or the person that kind of brings them together. And here we have the ultimate mentor, I feel like, which is Zordon and his mm-hmm. assistant Alpha 5. Also to Alpha 5 having been on the show even longer than Zordon, you know, by the end right. of his run, too. But or or not Alpha 5, but you know what I mean, an Alpha. Yeah. Um, and uh what how do we feel about them compared to like what we've gotten after that you know i i appreciate that in the first episode like they like some of the rangers are distrusting of a head in a tube like zach and you know some of the the female rangers are just like i don't know like this is just a floating head i'm out like i i appreciate that it's not just one of those things where like you see a lot of shows where they have this kind of like think of captain planet right like you have guy is showing up and like these different things where they're just like, you know, you're going to accept this at face value. And all of the planeteers are just like, okay, but the power Rangers don't like Zach is very much like, nah, I'm good. Goodbye. Um, and they walk out Kimberly too. everybody, Uh, but Jason. Right. And he's, he's, yeah, he has this kind of like longing, not longing glance, but like this kind of like lingering thing where he's just like, I don't know. Like it sounds like kind of this cool thing where I could fulfill this kind of role. You know, maybe my martial arts stuff might come into play or like have some sort of significance or meaning. Um, and I appreciate that. And I, I also appreciate like kind of how Zordon talks to the Rangers uh, in the first episode where, because he does say, ah, a non-believer, huh? And you're just like, Thinking back, having seen all of the stuff with Zordon in it, I'm just like, oh, he was way more real in those first few episodes than I had remembered. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
Alpha, as much as I disliked him when I was younger, like <gasps> he has that. What? Well, so here's the thing. When I was younger, I disliked Alpha and I disliked C-3PO. You know who? what characters I love more than anything in Star Wars canon and Power Rangers canon more than anything else now is Alpha and C-3PO. Because I was like, oh, they're way more intelligent and funny than I appreciated when I was younger. Like they're they're working on a level that might not necessarily be strictly geared towards children. And I appreciate that way more as an adult. I, I think that it's, it's good because I I don't know. There's just something about, there's like a mystery to Zordon too. You know, there's a backstory that you never fully get, but there's this like turmoil that he has. And, you know, and I, I, I can see where a character like alpha would have come off annoying, but there's something about him now that seems endearing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, with that note too, when we say mentor and sidekick, I feel like I do want to bring up Bulk and Skull because I, I just, you know, sidekicks. I want to, I want to say because, you know, in seasons since they have tried to kind of replicate like a comedic spinoff, and hmm. sometimes to not great effect. Like mostly recently, it's like, why are you even doing this anymore? Um, you know, I, I, I think when you, you know, you having just rewatched a lot of these episodes, I think you can attest to this, like. Vulcan Skull, actually, I don't think get enough credit for how good they are in the beginning or for the no. whole, honestly, the whole show. But like, I, I think they're actually essential to the magic that made it work. It's not one of those things where you're like, oh, well, here's the goofy part. Well, I, so, you know, so they they start as this kind of like comic foil for the the Rangers and and this kind of like, you know, we're going to have these jerk characters who are there to kind of hassle the the human Rangers um, and then they're going to get their comeuppance. But then like you watch some of these episodes and you start to feel like, I don't know if this is like an adult, like looking back in this different kind of like view, but I'm like, Oh, bulk is just kind of getting like garbage treatment, you know? So there's an episode where like they, uh, Ernie is making vegetarian chili specifically, and they make this big deal out of vegetarian chili. And I've joked with you, previously where i was like oh every episode ends with like bulgan skull falling into a cake or something like that smoothies um, whatever yeah yeah so like this episode is like ernie talking about vegetarian chili and kimber's like well i'm gonna serve it to people and she's like ernie's made vegetarian chili i'm gonna give it to people and she's carrying it with two hands above her heads and you're just like why and like all these people crowd around and none of the rangers are like going up they're just like why is this such a big deal and she's carrying it and all these kids are around her and bulgan skull they cut to Bulk is just minding his own business, eating a sundae. This is one of the times where he's not hassling anybody. He's just eating ice cream by himself, leaving people alone. Skull is near him, just hanging out. And Kimberly drops the chili on Bulk. And I'm just like, you know what? No wonder this guy has a chip on his shoulder. People mistreat him constantly. Well, also, it's one of those things, too, where... You know, you're like, what's going on in the home life here, too? It's not not everybody. Yeah. Not everybody is perfect. So. um, So There's also like elements from this first season where they used in the comics where I didn't realize way before. Well, Bulk I mean, and Skull we'll, and we'll Kimberly. get to that later. It's fine. Um, 
the well, you know, the comics have nothing to do with the the breakdown mm-hmm. of the season of the show. Is what I'm saying. So, I get it. Um, it's retrofitting. So, but I um, you know, there's there's an episode in season. I think it's in season. Yeah, it's in season one. Um, where they have like all their parents on it. You know, and that's the first time we realize that like Kimberly's got like divorced parents and. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of see Balkan Skull's parents as well. And it's funny because they're all kind of like imitations of their parents and stuff. But you're also like, I don't know. I, was, I think Balkan Skull actually have probably some of the greatest character growth in Power Rangers ever because they start yeah. out as these these bullies, you know, who are kind of terrorizing these kids. And then later they're like, okay, well, you know what? We're going to figure out who these people are. And then even later they're like, all right, well, maybe we should join this like po- this junior police force and do some good. And then they become like private investigators and then like, so they turn their life around. So yeah, I, I think they're cool. a great example. And that I still tell you this, this is why it hits me that much harder in that episode in countdown destruction and power Rangers in space, bulk and skull are the first people that step forward and, mm-hmm. and say, we are the power Rangers. And I think that's the ultimate stamp and- on the end of their story saying like, these kids who were the ones who terrorized, you know, whatever are coming forward to say like, we'll take the responsibility for these people that have saved us, you know? And that could be like something where like, they've learned something from Rangers throughout, like, like they've some somehow taken some sort of like resonance from whatever the Rangers have done over the last few years, but also like they themselves as individuals could have had some sort of growth. Like I, I appreciate that, especially like the, you see this growth, like you're not the same person you were in high school. Like these kids are not the same that they were in high school, but at the time they're in Power Rangers in space, they're definitely not in high school. So it's, it's one of those things is like, you're not necessarily like apologizing for the things that you did like years and years before, but you're just a better person. So you're willing to take that stand, you know? Um, stay tuned for our Balkan skull podcast coming up after this. Um, Balkan skull Meyer. So, uh, Bulkmeyer and Skullovich, geez, who did I even ask to be on this show? Who did That's I fine. ask? Um, well, let's, let's scoot on over to the villains. So let's talk about like our, our villain this season, season one, we've got Rita Repulsa, um, who is, uh, like all villains, Japanese footage, right? The Sentai footage mm-hmm. and dubbed and, uh, you know, uh, so we've got Rita and then she's got her army of generals. Well, her army really, it includes Goldar, who I think is very scary in the first season. And then <laughs> you've got uh Finster who makes the monster squat and Babu that are kind of like the goofy sidekicks. And then eventually we get Scorpina, who's kind of like second to Goldar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's it right in her, her armada there Ye- for first season. Yes. Yeah. 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 I don't. Yeah. Later we get Rito and Zed and all that stuff. But um, I, I think as a villain, like, you know, even though there are some stretches in the dialogue that they're using while they're, they're showing Rita, I still think Rita's this, like, it's something about the visuals that they chose to use for this season where like Rita's costume, you know, she's got the Madonna cones on, which is one thing that became a big, Mm -hmm. a big thing. But you know, Goldar, Goldar's voice is so menacing at first in the beginning, and he is pure business. Is, is it the same voice actor from the first season as other seasons? Yeah, I, I, I believe it is. I think they just had them like lighten it up a little bit. I think that okay. that came um, like Lord Zed 
showed up, but Goldar was kind of already lightened up at that point. But, um, you know, and Lord Zed had that same, like, they were like, you got to lighten it up. It's too scary for kids. <laughs> like, okay. Um, but Goldar is also kind of the contrast. Goldar is the one where you're like, this lady means business. Like she's scary, but she's also like just yelling all the time. And she's like, you know, she's a witch. And I think in terms of like how we as an audience would interpret a witch as we are when we're children, I think it worked very well to be like, yeah, this is a space witch. And mm-hmm. Bar- Barbara Goodson, the voice of Rita Repulsa, I think created this kind of iconic, you know, there's so many lines, like I've got a headache. She's got a headache every episode. And then, you know, who doesn't the magic wand make my monster grow. And I I think all of the voices that were chosen for every one of these characters is just so good. And then you have um, Robert, the late Robert Axelrod doing Finster, who later becomes Zed, just showing that range of voice is so Mm -hmm. amazing. And I I always loved Finster because he was kind of this like snarky, like, Oh, this is my odd mistress. And, you know, he'd kind of make a comment every now and then about it where she doesn't Mm -hmm. really respect him or something. And I, I, but yet he was responsible for all the creative stuff that would end up coming through in those monsters. Okay, well, here, here's also the thing, too. They talk about every now and then she pull out like this book, like so the one with the knight where Zach fights the knight. Um, like she pulled out this book and be like, ah, the knight that was on this planet that one time, blah, blah, blah. So this is also the season where they, they allude a couple of times to, you know, obviously Power Rangers always did have this kind of galactic it stretched further back than we understood ever. And we didn't really see a lot of that story until they leaned into into power Rangers in space, but um, you know, or maybe a little bit in season three, we could get to that. But, but anyway, regardless, he'd show the monster and then he'd, but then he'd like make it out of clay again. And I was like, mm-hmm. wait, was the guy clay to begin with? Or did you make him twice or no, he just, he just makes him again. Like it's a replica. Yeah. yeah. It was one of those where you're like, are you creating these? But I still off. love the the putties being like carved out of the putty machine. I don't know. There's just something oh, yeah. about how how insanely ridiculous it is. <laughs> Reusing that, that footage in the same scene versus just like the, the, little the, tube, the like, one shot of the tube that, yeah, one after the and other. They, like it's such an abrupt cut where it's just like. Boom, 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 oh, yeah. There's boom, no messing boom, around with it. Also, I feel like the putties are still one of those like kind of great. You know, I, there have been other, like, I honestly, I think maybe like Quantrons from in space are probably my favorite, but mm. the, in, or, uh, I don't know. Sting, I, we'll have to the get ones from Turbo go, are fine. The, like the Piranatron. Yeah. I, as there, as there have been great minions, but what I, what I find interesting about putties is that putties like literally look like deformed power Rangers. Like well, they're, yeah. they're the, they're, power rangers that they tried to make in the putty that didn't quite go right because they've got you know right they've got like kind of the belt do they have a belt or is that just in that one episode they have the buckle they have just the buckle later on and then like they have the the kind of like chest thing but like no no no. i mean when they when they show the evil rangers like they have kind of like putty like gloves and boots and stuff but Okay, yeah, it's it was when they were imitating them they had the belt with the morpher. That's why I keep thinking of that. Well, because like, but even still, like it's it's very much like that kind of like. There's also that kind of like the face is not necessarily like ghostly, That's but it's scary though. It's, it's like haunting because they have um, that weird like a golem. It's, yeah, like exactly. Regular. Like the upside down smile, it's really deep, but then like their eyes are really red too. Mm-hmm. And then they um, every now and then you get the one with the messed up like hands. Yeah, or like a, a giant knife. Yeah. 
And 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 there's something cool about them being like they're just these things made out of putty. It's very Wizard of Oz to me. Mm-hmm. And the sound that they make when they get hit, like you, because like okay, like you think they're made of of clay or or what have you, like this kind of like Play-Doh okay, thing. And I like, need to point something the way out they right make now, them. I, and I, I feel like they made a toy where you could do um, the kind of like I think play I just sculpt, lost like you, you put the Play-Doh in, here, you make the mold, and you have the the little putty thing, like. They had to have made that, right? Um, you're not responding, so I don't know. Oh, but, I got you uh, back. I, I lost you. You you cut out completely to me. Um, I just want to let you know, I was Googling pictures of the putty. So um, at the time of the recording this, there's a lightning collection, like a two-pack of putties coming out. And I need you to know the putty two-pack, they have a belt with the with the uh, star, circle star on their, mm. on their waist. And... They did. In Japan, they always have a belt with the circle on their waist. It's in the American footage. They don't. Weird. <gasps> I never noticed this. Oh, my. Startling. I'm going to have to watch. Here on Podcast Rangers, the Power Rangers podcast. I'm sure it's been brought up before, but I am legit. When we are done recording, I'm going back to look at this. Um, but. But regardless, um, they definitely are. They're like the Gollum version of Power Rangers, right? So I think that there's something cool about that. They're like inverted Power Rangers. Why do some of them have belts? You're looking at it now, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I am. See? So I, 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 I think there's something cool to be said about that. Okay, so let's move Does on, I though. Does figure have a belt? Let's talk about... Yeah. I just looked it up. Um <laughs> The let's talk about Megazords. So some seasons you get like 10,000 Megazords. This season, we're still at the basic level. We got one Megazord, you get a Dragonzord, and you get a Titanus. Okay, so um, you got the five dinosaurs that create the one Megazord. And then when Dragonzord comes along, he can make the Mega Dragonzord, and then he can make Dragonzord in battle mode. And then they can all hop together in different formations into Titanus. You know, one of two ways, either in Mega right. Dragonzord or... He's like or, a carrier Zord. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, and uh, how do we feel about the Megazord? Uh, I, for one, I, for one, still think it's I mean, again, it's hard because it's all the beginning. So I think it's iconic. It's memorable. Yeah. Well, so as I'm recording this, I'm looking down at my laptop and I have a CV illustrations Megazord head sticker on the base of my laptop. Um, I I do generally appreciate the Megazord from season one, two, three, what have you, but like, um, well, it's not even three cause they have a different sword, but, um, there's just something about those horns and the kind of like color coordination. It's very like Voltron esque. Uh, but the fact that like each of those individual zords, I feel is so iconic as well. Like the, the mm-hmm. kind of like saber tooth tiger, like the, the triceratops, like even the Mastodon like has a very distinct like feel to it. Uh, if you take the, you know, the Tyrannosaurus Rex, like it has a distinct feel to it where like that in in and of itself is very like toyetic mm-hmm. uh, to the point where I would appreciate that on its own aesthetically. Like I could get that as a toy and be like happy with it. Well, who doesn't love where- the episodes where like the Tyrannosaurus fights by himself too, you know? He right? had that. He, he had that blast he could make into the ground where he splits it apart. You know his tail. He made those very iconic sound, like Tyrannosaurus sounds. You know. Mm-hmm. 
And so, I mean, like, I, I appreciate all of those things. And like, especially if you compare it to later seasons, like there's different Megazords who do not like match up as well, just or, in terms yeah. of Megazord in general, not just because like there's some sort of iconic, uh, like iconic nature to this one because of where it's derived from, but it just doesn't have that same element, like that same kind of like split down the center symmetrical view of the helmet or like the head uh, and then how it incorporates into the dragon zord because like there's other elements where you get a six ranger who brings in a zord and the six ranger zord looks kind of garbage when it's mixed with the other five or three rangers. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, I agree. I, I think it's hard. I think it, it's what you said. I think it's the, the color coding is just in the right places too. You know, the, I like how they're like, you know, one is one leg, one is one leg, one is the arms, one is the chest and one is the body. You know, it's very simplistic almost how it all comes Mm -hmm. together so much so that when I got the toy, when I was a kid, I didn't even have to look at the directions, but when I got like the, I still can't even take the time force Megazord apart without looking at directions. But I also, you know, there's something, there was something about the, not just the toy, but the show, like when they say, you know, there was that voice and I always forget about the voice where it's like Mez- Megazord sequence, Megazord sequence has been initiated and the Megazord rises up, you know, mm-hmm. um, or it, those some- illustrations inside the cockpit on the thing where it's just like, this is this icon, this is this icon and it shows the Power Ranger helmet. Yeah, like those are some of my favorite illustrations because of the color of whatever the Zord is and then just the white outline. And I feel like when I was a kid, I was like, I've never seen this before. It's always been black outlines. I'm I'm an idiot. Well, I I just I love like, you know, summer by land, you know, you've got the pterodactyl in the air. I, I like how they all form and they come together. I like that it has the battle mode and then it and then it comes, you know, Megazord sequence has been initiated. Megazord sequence activated. Like I like the power sword. It's all very clean and simple. Um, and then, like you said, like when the dragon sword forms with them too, even though they have multiple formations, it again is all very clean and simple, you know, and it's uncomplicated. They're all very distinctly what they are. They can fight separately. And they did get times to fight separately too, because later seasons, the, the Zords basically never, why even have separate Zords? They're just one unit all the time. So mm-hmm. it's like, I, I appreciate it. And it, it holds its place in history. And then, you know, Titanus, he just kind of like shows up and he's like, come sit yeah. on me, you know? And so <laughs> it's like a weird thing, but whenever just they would call the ultra- to other people, but yeah. Whenever they call the Ultra Sword, you knew, oh, like, okay, this means business, you know, especially when it's the, 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 um, the, when the Dragon Sword is hanging over the shoulders, whichever one, I always get them mixed up, whichever one's dra- Dragon Sword in battle mode is when it's, awesome. when it's the two legs are attached to the Dragon Sword, but it's the, when it's the Mega Dragon Sword, right? Is that what it's called? Because it's so Dragon Sword in battle mode. Dragon Sword in battle mode is definitely when it's the two, like, it's the two legs and, uh, the when the three Zords combine with him, and then the Mega Dragon Zord, or the yeah, I think it's called Mega Dragon Zord, isn't it? That's when the Dragon Zord goes over the shoulders, and then they like hit the sides of it. It makes the the Z in the center or whatever. But regardless, I I I could look it up, but I don't want to. So, um, you know, I well, we don't have corrections on this podcast. I just think about how like it got dark and like when they would go to do this and you meant business. Like that's when they fa- they fight off the uh, the 
a floating head that Rita calls in the Island of Illusion. Uh, I have that Lokar. Lokar. Okay. I always mix it up. Um, That's in my notes. And and whatnot. So I always th- I think it's a great Megazord. I think it, it deserves its place. It stood it stood a lot of uh, a lot of wear and tear with these it's Rangers. Also, like the idea of like when you see the Megazord hanging out with the Dragon Zord, like because there are so many episodes where it's just like you have two Zords who are fighting one monster. That's also somehow iconic to me. And I don't know like what specifically about it is, but also there's some sort of like attitude of the like motion of the Megazord when well, it's about it's, to fight. It's it's also, I think, because this is in the era before there was any computer effects used in the show, really. So I think it's mm-hmm. it's something about the fact that it's all very tactile. Every yeah. Zord is I mean, its own actual thing. And then it when is, it's the Megazord, it is very, thing, you know, it's real. It's really there. Like, as someone with a vast appreciation, like, to Godzilla stuff, like the original, like, Heisei or whatever Godzilla stuff, like, I appreciate that more, and I don't know about you specifically. Like, I don't know how much you get into, like, the older, like, no, I am strictly 70s. into, I know this is terrible, but I'm strictly into the American side of Power Rangers. So I, I, no, no, I, no, I'm talking about Godzilla. I know, but I, just because I like Power Rangers doesn't mean, like, any of that other stuff. Okay. I sometimes, so, so I don't, I don't, my thing is, I don't like the association of people assuming I like any of that stuff. Like, yes, okay. I do enjoy Godzilla, the idea of Godzilla, but I don't mean to, I don't mean to shy away from it. You mean you but... like giant monsters? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so as someone who appreciates like the, the sixties, seventies, uh, and like even the 1954, like Gojira stuff, like the seeing them kind of take some of those elements of like very much like the miniature aspects and like having, the pseudimation actors like in that element, like there is some appreciation for that. And there are episodes where like they, they incorporate live action actors, like little girls potentially uh, with fake elements of the Megazord. Um, Like they're in the big sisters episode. They have the little girl like get set down by a giant Megazord hand that looks like garbage, but I love it so much because it makes it seem that much more, uh, I don't know, like homemade. Like it seems like something someone would make for a college film. Like they made a paper mache hand and they're just like, little girl, stand on this hand. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but that seems like it's very, it strikes very true to the, the kind of like original, uh, it's like the bus in the hand when they sent the bus down Bulk and skull. Exactly. Like very much that like it's, and it seems so much similar to like this kind of like Godzilla, like, um, you know, kind of homegrown we're gonna make this work it's it's very ed wood but in japan right well there's a there's sort of a charm to that that i feel like we don't really see nowadays so yes and and that i i mean like that's why i will consistently buy like these kind of like criterion things of godzilla and like i will buy the the kind of like sentai footage of power rangers because i just want to see all of that stuff because there's stuff that we lose kind of like in translation right like that's understandable um, and it's, it's endearing to me. Um, but to see that some of that stuff show up in the American one, I love it. I love it so much. Um, so let's talk about their arsenal too here a little bit. Okay. So not, not too much in the way of arsenal, because again, back in the day when things were a little more basic, I, I, you know, when I was reflecting, like thinking about this episode, when I was coming up with like this sort of chart that we would use, I, 
I was thinking, I think that's what kind of bothers me about later seasons is that every episode, it's like the Rangers are getting something new. It's like some mm-hmm. sort of new blaster, new Zord, new, it's like toy, toy, toy. And I think about Mighty Morphin is that they barely ever got anything new. It was the Megazord and that was it. And then Tommy came along. So you had Tommy, his dragon dagger that controlled the Zord, you know, and was a cool weapon. And that was his main weapon. And he had, um, he had the dragon Zord and then the Rangers had their Zords and they had their blade blasters. Um, and they had their weapons and that was it. Those weapons and formed then the their weapons blaster. would combine, combine, not yeah. combine. Well, and sometimes they would actually defeat the monster with the power blaster. That happened very mm-hmm. rarely, but, um, and that like, and when they formed the power blaster, you're like, Oh no, this stuff had way to it. It wasn't like, you know, there are later seasons where it was like, it's always escalating. They meet, they form the blaster, they destroy the monster on earth, the ma- grounds to grows, they grow the Megazord, they fight it separately, they fight it together, then they fight. You know, it became very, like, formulaic. This was still like, it's like it, was very a, rope. it was anyone's game, you know? So, um, each one of the Rangers basically had their individual weapon. You know, you had the, uh, uh, you had the power daggers, power lance, power bow, um, power sword, and, uh, I am missing one. It's a, uh- power axe and and then the the, the dragon dagger and those those first five combined to make the power um the power blaster and uh you know i'm still waiting i'd love a lightning collection of every one of those weapons i doubt they will they're not gonna make those because like they'd have to make them individually a realistic like size power axe like that would be the one i would buy and I, I, I'm like, I, I, you can't I, have something that looks like a shotgun and it sell it. Does not to look like a shotgun. Okay, if it looks like an axe, in it, certain states you can't sell that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I I've heard a thing right now <laughs> where like there's so there's Star Trek Discovery, and I was like, why have they not released the phaser from this show? Like, because they always make like the toys and everything like that, and I like to collect like the movie stuff like that, and. Uh, apparently they were, there was a prototype shown at like a convention and it's an issue where because of the nozzle of the weapon, like that's the rule. Everything has to, in America, every, every sort of thing that looks gun like has to have a yellow. Yeah. And they don't, they're like, well, we can't, there's nowhere on this thing to um, put it because of the shape of this. So they were saying it kind of destroys the integrity of the item when it doesn't even resemble like a gun. So they're, they're like, back to the drawing board which is super that's why annoying. we you we don't get the original version of like the megatron toy from uh transformers when we were little because he's a luger right like he's a gun like he's a handgun right i don't know anything about transformers okay really. so let me educate you for a second uh megatron well, I, I, I am aware of what you're talking about that's about it he's a luger uh so they they originally sold the version where he was a gun and then for a while they couldn't because they were like, well, we can't sell things that look like handguns to children, especially because it looks very much like a Luger. Um, and then they put the orange nozzle on it. And that's been very much like the kind of like thing with children, like boys toys for the last, like, uh, you know, 30 few years. years. Um, it's like many years. They barely uh, even make blasters anymore. That's but, why the, there's not a lot of Star Wars stuff anymore. But that's also why, like, the nerf guns for, like, things like Overwatch or Halo, like, they have to make it so much, like, drastically, like, cartoony or video gamey 
where you know you can't have anything that looks somewhat realistic so you're never going to get like a luger uh megatron toy from g1 and that's probably the reason why we won't get a lot of the stuff from uh you know power rangers as a a tangible thing or like a phaser thing because it looks so much like a a handgun well we'll see because the blade blaster straight up looks like a gun and that didn't have an orange tip, yeah but so it's I like bright know. white and red well that that's what i'm saying i don't i don't know i don't know how they'll do it it's wishful thinking but um they pretty much only had that but i would like to include in the arsenal which i think is an iconic piece of uh which is a, a piece of power ranger iconography definitely to this day is the communicator that billy creates for everyone you know the the one toy that was never really perfected back in the day that i was the only thing i really wanted and and some would say still to this day i i well i mean i have them all but yeah but you don't have one that makes noise as well as well, I one have, that makes noise also that is not like the size of a or feels like, you know, the weight. Well, of, well, that's the problem. The legacy one is too thick. I have both of the legacy ones and they're too thick. I prefer the Starlight Studios prop, which if you are looking for one and I don't know, they had them released recently. I'd, I'd keep stocking them for them for one. They're the they're the ones who make the best that are the closest to the, the show, uh, but they don't make any lights or noise. They're basically just bracelets, but I think they're worth it. I really like them. Nice quality. Everything's all metal, but um, I just think that's a great piece that still holds up today. I'm like, because, you know, you press a button and you teleport, you press a button and Mm -hmm. you talk. I don't know. There's just some, I also just love what it looks like. I think it's one of those, like the designers on power Rangers didn't get enough credit because it's one of those, that's an American made thing that, that communicator is not. It's iconic. Like I, when I think of like power ranger, like season one through three, like the thing that, Aside from the morpher, like the communicator is the other thing that I I imagine. I remember like being on a road trip with my father and being like, oh, I want this communicator watch. And it being like it didn't tell time. It didn't do anything. It just had a hologram like lenticular sticker under Mm -hmm. the thing. But it looked so much like the communicator in the show. When you press the button, like it would be Zordon talking to you. I was like, that's exactly what I need in this moment, like being on this road trip. So like it's it's such an iconic thing where i feel like other seasons kind of try to emulate this you know what's our leader trying to tell us to do yeah i i definitely think they're trying to bring the communicator back like i mean i loved i loved in dino charge the their like wrist things although it made it was nonsense because it was a rock glued to a silver bracelet that somehow was a communicator. And I was like, okay, but I'd be like, I appreciate your effort and I still want one of those, but, um, I appreciate it, but I hate it. I, I feel like we should talk about the morpher really quick too, like where it stands in terms of like all the other morphers. I, I love the morpher from mighty Morphin. I love that. It looks Mm -hmm. kind of like a stone. And then it has this like the coin that goes into it that powers it. And I, 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 I a little like teeth thing also like that, yeah. like aesthetic of the kind of like teeth aspect that ties into their suits, like that kind of like Harlequin pattern. Yes. Like the, yeah, the, the, the kind of diagonal, the shapes, the triangular shapes. And I, I love that it like it's worn at, um like on their back. So they like reach back and it's like always on that buckle kind of behind them. You know, mm-hmm. ideally, but then there's the episodes where it's randomly in their backpack, which I never understood, but whatever. Um, 
But I, I, you know, that was the thing I always wish they had made that buckle so you could pretend to wear it when you were a kid. But I always like I used to carry mine around every now and then. Not every now and then, all the time. It wasn't yours. It was your friend's. It was my friend's. And then he gave it to me. I'm actually looking at that one right now. It's so worn compared to the other one that I got from a, a listener of the other show. I do. Where's my morpher? I don't know where my morpher um, And I am very excited for this legacy morpher that's coming out because I am ah. imagining it's going to be closer to the 1993 morpher than the legacy morpher. I'm sorry, the lightning collection morpher that's coming out. I'm Is hoping there... it's closer to the 93 one than the, than the legacy. Is there any more like roller coaster of emotions between you and I than watching that stuff for that morpher and being like, well, I don't know. It just looks like the lightning or the legacy one. And then you're just like, Oh wait, it also changes colors when you have the different coins in it. And it does this and it does this. So like as someone who already owns a legacy one where I was like, I don't need this. And then out slowly, I was like, oh, I need this. I well, Hasbro's so genius because they really take it that one. They're like, they, they're smart. They know, okay, well, we want to make Mighty Morphin as well. Not just Mighty Morphin. I believe in my heart they don't want to just do Mighty Morphin. That's why their action figures have been all over mm-hmm. the place. But they know that that's where the role play stuff has to start with them. The White Ranger helmet. It was smart that they started with the White Ranger helmet before they went to red or green because they're like, well, well, you know, Bandai never got here. And what's the other like iconic character that people love? It's the white one. And then, right. and then, you know, and then so being like, okay, well, what are we going to do about the role play stuff? And they're like, okay, well, what are the two things like Dragon Dagger and the Morpher? And they're like, we can't get past it because people are going to want a complete set. So they're like, well, what do, how do we make it worthwhile? And they're like, all right, well, what if we made it light up like it did sometimes? And then the Morpher, they're like, well, we need to give it an amazing display because everyone always has these coins they can't really show off with it. Right. And I mean, like, as someone who's been using so as someone who has to use zoom for their career, like using those backgrounds that they put on the Twitter, like I've been using the mighty more from Power Rangers backgrounds for like their students. It's, it's one of those things where like that kind of like morphing sequence has been much more prevalent in my life recently. And to have a display piece to be able to just kind of like have somewhere on a shelf, and to have the kind of like lights or voices specifically, not just like the the normal like sound cues that are in any of the uh, legacy things, because like those are kind of like very generic to the show, like whether it's like go, go Power Rangers, like, you know, I love that song, but like have it in every element of a lightning or a legacy collection thing. Like the the kind of cell line on this lightning collection morpher is the fact that it has coin specific ranger specific voice cues. Oh, yeah, I, I, saw that, I saw that it says like Tyrannosaurus and stuff. So it's, it's um, like the uh, the beast morphers morpher is voice activated, which that is very like Japanese in of itself, like having specific like kind of like toyetic yeah. of like, you know, I'm hoping the Morpher doesn't do it the Beast Morphers way, though, because the Beast Morphers toy tells you what to say before you have to say it. And so I'm like, well, I I wish you could, like, turn that option off and just say what you're going to say, because eventually a kid's going to know what to say. They don't need it to keep being like, are you ready to morph? Say it's morphing time, you know, like, so we'll we'll see, though. That would be like my Operation Overdrive helmet. It's like, lizards are attacking. Are you ready to morph? 
Well, but the thing with the like the lightning collection is that it is for collectors and it is for older right. people, and it says eighteen up on the box, which is interesting. Uh, is but that might just be for the promo thing? Um, cost wise, is this how is this on par to the legacy collection? Because I don't remember. I think it was sixty dollars. The legacy was sixty, and these this one is fifty, so it's actually less. Interesting. Yeah, so um, let's just really quick um, wrap up here. Um, I just want to say, are there some standout episodes for you in this season? And I think season one of Power Rangers is one of those where it's difficult because I think there are actually a ton of iconic episodes because we've said about it many times on the show before. We A lot of us who are a little bit older had the, or of the age when we were children when this came out, um, had the slipcover cardboard box like you know day of the dumpster high five teamwork you know food fight um you know the the happy birthday zach they we had these like cassettes so there are these like kind of iconic episodes that are iconic for no reason the lightest Um, cassette tapes you could ever own but i think you know we've got you know you got green with evil um mm-hmm. in here a five-part series where you have your first like evil green ranger and that essentially happens at what would be the normal end of a regular full right. season because that starts in episode 17 and ends episode se- uh, 21 um, um i, I, I think have, I, I have this big one i have stuff on here that like i've always remembered but is not significant to power rangers like just iconic imagery that or like voices where I've it's always like kind of stuck with me, not because I enjoy it so much, but just because like kind of lingered. And I don't know if you have that too, but like, you know, in the big sisters episode, like Maria has a clearly adult voice, but it's always been something like, even as a child where I was just like, there's something off here. It feels like the orphan movie uh, in power Rangers, where it's like this kind of adult figure who is perpetrating a child and kind of like portraying this person. Uh, Mr. Tickle Sneezer from the Whom the Troll Tolls is a terrifying individual, but is aside from just like that, it's a very clever reuse of a a Power Rangers or like Sentai monster for like what was the troll uh, iconography at that time. Because aside from Power Rangers being like a prominent role in this area, trolls were huge, like the treasure trolls. Um uh mr chico sneezer doesn't look anything like a troll i mean like he he looks like a knockoff troll like you also remember like dollar store trolls at that time look very much like mr tickle sneezer well i Um, think about like if you're talking about voices i always i I, this is probably because it's so prominently used on the rock album um which was the soundtrack of the show i think about hatchasaurus's voice i oh is good the cardiotron's voice specifically you know I I hope that some of those voice cues are on that. Uh, I just got that vinyl that's coming or that has already been out. Um, I'm going to break your heart right now. It's not the the vinyl is the 2013 soundtrack. It's not the rock album. So it's it's the Power Rangers redo on vinyl. Um, but it makes it out to be kind of like it is going to be the rock album. So you don't have any of the the cues or anything. But uh, somebody did send Shawshank me my the, redemption right here in, in the mail sent me the cd of that so i do and was here but um i think uh the green candle is a big one the first time we saw a power ranger kind of like they the power rangers lost they lost their they they couldn't save 
Tommy. And, and I like that because that mm-hmm. kind of comes back around with Jason later too. He always feels that kind of weight of it. And especially right. like then that leads to in birds of a feather with the Cardiotron episode where Jason wears the green Ranger shield. And that became a huge thing. The red Ranger wearing that, that shield when, because whenever they needed the dragon sword, Jason would have to use the dragon dagger. And whenever he used the dragon dagger, it gave him the, the dragon shield, which mm-hmm. I always think is, is awesome. But, um, I I love I love like when there's evil rangers. So I love a bad reflection on you. Um I like um Yeah, well I think that is power punks. Isn't it? Rita creates a team of evil duplicates of the power. No, power punks is just specifically Billy and Kimberly. Oh yeah. 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 No, I, I I'm talking about when there are clones of power Rangers, not right. when the power Rangers go evil, but yeah. Um, cause there's another episode too. um, the mighty Morphin mutants. I always enjoy that one too. Um, cause that's when the crawfish has the evil Rangers and they have the black boots instead of the white boots. Mm-hmm. But, and you have oyster stew and that's where Zach wears the dragon shield for that one episode that uses footage from uh, Japan that was never in any Japanese episodes, but was made specifically for the power Rangers. And then um, I, yeah, the Halloween, the trick or treat. It's hard. There's a lot, like some episodes are just episodes, but when you scroll through like return of an old friend, when the green Ranger comes back, mm-hmm. I always think that's kind of iconic because the Rangers have kind of lost their powers, but then it's also like Tommy's powers aren't back a hundred percent. And you know, and so. that's that's something that shows up later on in the series, not just specifically Mighty Morphin, but like that idea of like a ranger coming back for a specific purpose and not having their powers be 100. Like you see that with Adam specifically, like you see that multiple times because there is a specific purpose to having those characters come back. Um, yeah. Any so, any anything? What? Well, sorry, go ahead. Well, it was like the the Island of Illusions is such a, a weird kind of like two part. It's, a, it's that, a clip episode. It's a clip because it's just the highlights of the show and how the Rangers have overcome what they've done. There's just something weird about Zach screaming his head off at the end of that episode, the first episode of that two parter mm-hmm. because of the snake. I don't know why it just tickles me every time. I always love Lokar. I always feel like he's very scary. It's very yeah. like this floating head that like, and he kind of, he comes back again, I think, but, um, he's just, I always, there's something about that there when I was younger and I wrote like my, like, Oh, like, okay, well what if like Jason does kind of the thing where he's got his morpher and he's kind of investigating this stuff and wrote this whole story about, and then the villain in that story is like low car is like trying to bring back his powers and stuff. And so it was mm-hmm. this whole thing, but, um, um do get the first semblance of bulk and skull being good people in this season, which a lot of people forget about. Is it when they're on the Island of illusion? No, uh, it is, um, the masquerade episode. There's the scene where like the Frankenstein shows up and they assume it's Tommy. So they're just like, ah, let him. And the girl is dancing with this Frankenstein monster. Uh, and he picks the girl up and throws her. And Bulk and Skull catch her and they're just like, get him. Like, this is this kind of like first semblance of like Bulk and Skull being like, someone is wronged. We need to write this in this immediate thing. I don't know why. 
which is they're a little forceful with ladies earlier on in this but uh Mm -hmm. yeah so it's interesting switch there but in the end would you say that you would recommend somebody who had never seen any of the original episodes to go back and watch this i would i mean it's it's cute like it's it's this very like endearing thing and it is the groundwork for a lot of the stuff that we see later on and some of it is done better than what we see later on where we have kind of potentially quote-unquote competent writers handling some of this stuff but like you know the green with evil stuff is some of the stronger kind of story elements and then having that you know re-solidified with the kind of the candle episodes is is saying something you know Whereas you potentially in later seasons might not necessarily see a semblance of appreciation for different elements throughout the season. I think I would definitely recommend it for people, not just because it's the original, not to be like, oh, you got to go back and watch the original. But there is something like like we've said this whole episode, you know, this magic with the cast. I think there's something about the suits. I think there's something about seeing it before there was these like special effects that honestly, I've said before on the show that I do think that the onslaught of like digital effects has kind of kind of created this new generation of power rangers that doesn't feel quite the same to me and and you know and that's that's fine that's to me some people grew up and this is the power rangers they know and they'll be like oh it seems weird you know weird to look back at it but you know there there's there's a lot here and there i i honestly it brings back to the these these episodes that not just the ones that have the story arcs but like we said before the ones where like Kimberly and Billy Switch power punks you have the ones where there's like the evil rangers and like they're just in school doing like whatever and you know they're just fighting like a regular everyday monster like the show definitely has its growing pains and it is a show that was made on a cardboard budget but at the same time there's something magical here that is sometimes hard to put your finger on but there are the moments when they start to experiment with it in this first season where they start to be like, all right, well, let's have fun with it. You know, like when, when Jason is fighting Goldar in the dark dimension, whether it's when he goes back to try and stop the green candle, you know, to, to do, to right his wrong, you know, the smog and this villain and they're fighting and it's person to, to costume, which is interesting. And there's a, there's a lot of like, uh, there's stuff in here, you know, there, it, mm-hmm. it, yes, it won't play out the same way. Like a power Rangers season does now, there won't have some sort of resolution in the end with the, not not at least in the first season rita does eventually have her more or less resolution way down the road but you know i th- i still think that i i rewatch this every now and then and i actually the older i get the more i appreciate it especially now after like film school and knowing how this stuff is filmed i don't tell a lot of people this but power rangers is actually the thing that like wanted i wanted to get into film because it was something i started to notice how they were making it and i mm-hmm. there is something about power rangers and this definitely comes from the Sentai, but this is definitely like it's filmed like a Western, like an old Western yeah. with a lot of really quick zooms and a lot of but like the framing, I, I don't think it got enough credit because in the even though it is in a four by three format, there's some amazing framing work being done with like where characters are standing, how they're standing, the motion that's moving. There's something with the synchronization of how they move, how they the, the choreography of what it took to have a fight scene back in the day with Rangers, you know, and, and the stunt work is, is great. You're I'd say it was stuff with the, like oblique tilts, like a, like for a purpose, not just like the battlefield earth thing where it's just like, well, we yeah. need to make this character look taller. Yeah. So I, I, I would a hundred percent recommend always, you know, giving, giving this a shot, even if it's those like big arc episodes, you know, and, 
it doesn't have to have the Green Ranger in it. Like the episodes before mm-hmm. the Green Ranger are great. The ones where he's not there are great. The ones where he where he is there are also great. It's it. It's not. There's there's episodes we talked about where he's in it, but he is not something that's brought up like that. That masquerade episode like he's he shows up at the tail end of that episode as the Frankenstein monster, because early on, they're just like, oh, Tommy's coming in later. He's coming in later. And then you have the whole episode with the regular Rangers. And then Tommy shows up as the Frankenstein monster later on, like spoiler alert. Um, But it's it's some of those things like. Yeah, you don't need Tommy to have a good Power Rangers thing. Well, the the first season is definitely about a team, and every member mm-hmm. of the team plays their part all the through. I'd say consistently throughout. It's all the focus is on everyone, not a specific person, and not anyone being better than anyone else. And not to say that that was the case later, but you know they, they definitely leaned heavier into tommy being a main character of the show and this this was back when everyone was a main character and there's something there's something energetic and exciting about that balance yeah so definitely i i definitely recommend it ken recommends it so there you have it that is our breakdown of mighty Morphin power rangers season one please let us know your thoughts on it. Um, you can get in touch with us on Twitter or Instagram podcast Rangers. And if you want to send us an email, please do podcast Rangers at gmail.com. And uh, thank you, Ken, for having this conversation. Hey, thank you. Thank you everyone out there for listening. And we will be back with another episode of podcast Rangers. <laughs>